and welcome to Loving Your Garden Live with me, Rod Whiting, group founder, and our resident horticulturist, John Sterland, in association with our sponsors, Fitzgerald Lane Decorators. Hello, John. Can you believe it? We're in August already. I know we are. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It doesn't seem two minutes since I said, I'm going to really enjoy May and June, my two favourite months. Well, we're all in June. July's gone as well. It's unbelievable. It really is. And I've noticed, you really notice the nights coming in now. Yeah. And um, one or two of our Swifts have left as well. Well, quite a few of our Swifts have left. Just moseying the way back to Africa now. Nice and steadily. Moseying. <laughs> moseying along. A couple of thousand miles. <laughs> I thought it'd be good to talk about plants to give your garden a lift through late summer because we're at that sort of stage now where, you know, you've perhaps gone through one set of, of, of flowering and you're looking around to see, well, where, where else can we put some some late colour if um, if your planning's as bad as mine? <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there are one or two plants that do come to mind, but obviously when you are starting off with your garden, it's always worth making sure that the shrubs and things that you get are going to give you that colour all the year round. And and everybody knows the Ceanothus and in the spring Ceanothus, but there's also an autumn one. And I'm revamping our little bit of garden round my patio this winter. And we really are looking for from autumn onwards. So I'm looking for things from autumn right the way through. And Ceanothus Autumn Blue is one of the plants that I've, I've brought, bought especially for there. So um, we're going to start there and then we'll be putting in Clematis Serosa, the winter flowering yeah, one, one, which flowers from sort of November right the way through. So I'm going to go for yeah. a, a nicer... Uh, avalanche? Something. Yeah, Avalanche is a great new one. Yeah. I like I like Wisley Cream and things like that, yeah. Valerica. There's some crackers there. So... Caryopteris, that's another great little oh, blue shrub. I've got, um, I've got a whole row of them. They're absolutely oh, gorgeous. Oh, the bees love them. Well, the wonderful mind. thing is you've got Caryopteris now till basically the frosts come. Yeah. One of my favourite clematis for autumn is Redieriana. It's a fantastic one. It's um, got primrose-coloured flowers, and they're fragrant, a lovely fragrance. It dies down every year comes back like nobody's business but the thing is with the plants that we're mentioning at the moment is they'll grow in any soil i mean i could rem- i could mention the colunas but they've got to have acid soil so we're just looking at things that um will grow in most soil euonymus europeus oh, yeah. absolutely fantastic um starts my winter garden off actually with the um you know the spindle bush yeah it is it is the um, host plant for or wintering plant for black bean aphid, but I think we'll get, we'll let it off with that. And Cascade is one of the finest. The fruits crack open and you see the seeds inside and it's t- sort of orange and red and it's magnificent. And then there are now new varieties as well. Yeah. And then there's the fuchsias, a fuchsia megalanicus. There's the red one and that gorgeous. If you go to Cornwall, you know, it grows by the roadside, the alba, the white one, and it's just got a hue of pink in it, hasn't it, or mauve, and it is stunning, and that flowers and flowers till the 
till the frost comes. So, and the hebes, you know, you can go yeah. through them. Some mid, mid, midsummer beauty, I've had flowering in the garden in the middle of winter. You know, if you get a mild, yet it's called mid, midsummer beauty, great orm, um, autumn glory. This, and to me, the older varieties are better than these modern, new modern ones. They really are. The thing about those, some of the modern ones, they come up with some wonderful colours. You can get some lovely blue flowers on, on some of the yeah. new babies, which is quite spectacular. I love a good blue flower. Um, hard to find you know, plants that will give you real blue. Uh, things like delphiniums, obviously, but I, I'm, you know... Mechanop Mechanopsis is a cracker, but it oh, takes yeah, some growing. Yeah, it does. You know, yeah. yes. I, I mean, it gr grows much better in the north of England on sort of some of the clay soils. It likes it a little bit cooler. But so it's a challenge for you, Rod. <laughs> um, can I just say a quick hello to Thomas Gustafsson? Says hi from Sweden. Uh, also, hello to Lillian Patterson, Jeanette White, uh, Dorothy Dan, Thomas, or we've mentioned Thomas, and uh, of course, David Stevens, our uh, resident uh, designer. Uh, Vivian Ford's also with us, uh, Margaret Assels, and Carol Thompson as well will be waiting for. Um, oh, Rebecca, David says. And Liz Fisher as well. I must say hello to Liz Fisher. Rebecca. Yeah, oh. I, just, I just got some helenium. Uh, just to brighten up the one corner of the garden, and and I, I did look at Rebecca, and there's loads of these yellow yellow petal plants uh, this time yeah. of year, isn't there? Yes, I've got a Rebecca, and you've you know a lot of people would put it in and think, what the when's that going to flower? You know, it's 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 it doesn't look as though it's going to flower yet, but in a few weeks' time, it is going to look magnificent. My Lysisteria is only just coming into flower. Yeah. I've seen loads yeah. that have got flowers. But um, no, um, Osmanthus as well, The you know, the holly, Hepterophyllus, yeah. the one with the holly-type leaf. Yes. That'll be flowering, as, flowering soon with its beautiful white flowers as well. So, I, I mean, on the shrub side, but David's just meant rude Beckia. There's so many different sorts. Yes. It's, it's There's some that grow to three, four metres tall. Yeah. And um, that look absolutely stunning. There's a Rudbeckia for every every um, border, I think. Those tall ones, uh, when you see them waving around in, in the wind. Yes. And you've perhaps yeah. got some, some grasses as well. They are spectacular. Yeah, we've got the asters to look forward to as well. Yeah, my, in fact, I'm just looking over your shoulder, John, and uh, mine's just coming through now. Uh, <laughs> All from, right. Oh, from, hold on uh, a minute. Barnstow. Oh, yes, it is. I'll look behind me. <laughs> 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 you're looking over my shoulder. Yeah. The the Novi Belgii, the, you know, the old varieties, they tend to get mildew. And probably some people have might have them in the gardens now and they're absolutely covered in mildew and the amazing thing is they always flower they yeah. always put a flower on but there are some now that are uh resistant to mildew some of the modern varieties that you can get so um keep an eye out for those as well i've just put in a helianthus which is everybody knows as a sunflower but i've got a herbaceous type lemon queen and it grows, it's going to grow to about two meters tall. At the wow. moment, it's about a meter. And uh, lovely lemon flowers coming on it. Absolutely beautiful. It's going to be fabulous in the next month and through September. And a lot of the plants now um, will keep going right the way through. 
Sedums. Oh, well, oh you yeah, know, you, yes. That's yeah, another you, one that's coming through. Sedums looking good already. Yeah, the Sedums. Oh, totally autumn plant, aren't they? You know, you yeah. you have them down there, and oh, yeah, it's coming along. The sedums yes. will be out yes. in autumn. Yes, and 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 the Shiza stylus. Um, <laughs> now, 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 <laughs> we'll give it its new name, Esperantha. That is a fabulous plant for the autumn. Again, once you can get a pink form, as well as the red form, but lovely, really is one John. of the big plants, Rod for autumn of course is chrysanthemums yeah chrysanthemums yeah. i mean so many in the past i think dahlias you know dahlias and chrysanthemums were very very popular dahlias seem to have had a you know they were a resurgence fabulous dahlias chrysanthemums a little bit of work you know every year you go to the garden center and see in september these magnificent things in containers don't you full of flower and people take them home you never see them again you're back to the garden center next year and buy a new one and yet they are savable all these things are but i think people just like to have something that will give them flower for a month and then um, they seem to be got rid of. I've got a couple of photographs, actually, of plants oh, that, right. uh, that might work. <laughs> this is mine, uh, Gerbera. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've actually planted them outside because they are so spectacular, and, and I've, got, I've got different colours and different groups around the garden. Yeah, but I am South- aware that I'm going to have to lift them before the first frost. Oh, yes. I mean, the South African plant, I can remember uh, the, the first ones, we used to grow them, Jameson hybrids. I bet if Davey's listening, he'll remember the Jameson hybrids all them years ago. It was the only ones you could get. But there's some stunning ones now that the florists absolutely love, don't they? Yeah. I know Paula loves a, a gerberas as well. Yeah, fabulous. They'll have to come in. But even the old Jameson hybrids flowered for 11, 12 months of the year. We'd have a few flowers on right the way through. Stunning plant, they really are. When you bring them in, can you keep them in greenhouses? Um, I mean, you, you presumably need to have one that's heated. Yeah, I mean, a, a conservatory, you know, where you have a conservatory with a little bit heat from the house, that yeah. is, that's a great place because when you've got somewhere where you've just got that little bit of heat and you're keeping the frost, frost off, you can grow lots and lots of things. Bougainvillea, plumbago. Plumbago's a, a fantastic little climber. Um, you can you can grow that in there, but they will thrive in there. You just keep the frost off. This is Monada. I haven't got this one, but this is Monada or bergamot. Uh, is yes, um, is is lovely again for the bees. Yes, uh, I mean yes, I've been looking at them in Pensthorpe. We in Pensthorpe, the, Pete Aldorf designed a prairie garden. And it just it just goes all over the place. I noticed the other day that the monadas were out and the bees were on the monada. It's it's fabulous. And the butterflies as well were having a fabulous time. They were another one that tended to get mildew in hot, dry conditions like we've mm. had. And mm. um, there's some less susceptible varieties now, which is fabulous. Even in middle of winter, you can sit, you know, and think, God, can you remember that Monada last year? God, can you remember the road, the Rubeckias? It's it, they're just great for giving you memories of uh, the last summer. We're going to move on to hedges, if that's all right, because now's a great time to be trimming hedges. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, August, the birds tend to have finished nesting by now. But even so, I always left mine and farmers aren't allowed to cut their hedges till September. But, you know, when you get to this time and you've got, you know, it's coming out over your drive, it's very difficult not to cut it. So I always cut the sides. I keep the sides and leave the tops just for a little bit longer. It's amazing how many dunnocks and green finches and things like that can uh, nest in the top of a of a hedge. And I did one year cut it a little bit early, and um, there was a it was a green finch actually. It was quite a tall hedge. I had to use a special, and it was just in the. Fortunately, it did come back, but I saw a fly off, and we just sort of left that area. People don't like doing that. They're like a nice, neat hedge. But if there's a bird there, I'll um, I'll forfeit for a while. But definitely cut the, he- the the sides, and even that makes the whole garden look neat and tidy. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's the best thing to do. And the, and the, if you're using Leylandi, and, and the thing is, I criticise Leylandi and and say, oh god, it's a monster. It's a I criticise the people. I criticise the people who let them grow too big. Well, that's the point. It's, yes. It's, they are very effective hedges because they grow so quick. But if you don't cut them uh, and fairly regularly when it's safe to do so, uh, they will run away. We had one at a garden centre. I said, let's have a Leylandi hedge and show people you can keep it at three feet. If you're cutting back Leylandi, always do it in the spring or late winter. You know my time is late winter, late February. It's a great time, early March. And that's the time to cut them hard down. So get the frosts out of the way before you do it. Yes. Or, or the, the you know, the big main frost the big cut, out of the way, you know. yes before you do any big cutting. But, you know, people say, oh, Leyland, I load of rubbish. They are brilliant for birds nesting. I mean, we don't want the one across the road, this one, and it's unbelievably tall. It's been left. I don't know who's going to cut it down when it eventually has to be cut down. It'll probably blow down. But, um, you know, leaving them like that is... If you've got the room, you know, they look magnificent when they are mature, yeah. But, um, you know, at three, four, five foot a year, it's just too much. Yeah. But if they're near the house, never above six feet. To me, try and keep it. If you've, you've got a neighbour and you've got one near the house, you know, the highest hedge, I think, fence you can have is about six feet, isn't it? If you want to go a little bit further up as you get further away from the house, that's great. But don't let them affect your neighbours. Yeah, Frank's also... Um, say much the same about the face of the hedge as well. If you cut in too far, uh, it, it, it'll go brown, won't recover. Absolutely, yes. I mean, there's certain ones. Taxes, you, for instance, you can cut right back to the main stems. If uh, You know, if you've got an enormous yew hedge and you want to ra- totally revamp it, you can cut the whole thing back to the main stem and it'll grow and you'll being as there's a big root system there you'll get a hedge very very quickly two or three years and you'll have a brand new hedge uh, of a width that you can cope with so um no Leylandi doesn't um if you cut a Leylandi hard back it has to grow back through the um the, the main stems and come it will grow back actually i've seen a hedge do it 
you know, you cut a whole side back and it from the other side, it grows back through and you'll get a new hedge again. It takes quite a few years. Yeah. But um, no, best thing to do is keep it nice right from the start so that you enjoy it and your neighbours can enjoy it as well. Now, this is Elaine. Uh, can you read this? I've got two copper beech hedges, 60 foot. When would you recommend cutting? Right. right. Well, I mean, if you want him to do a real serious cutback, we always do that end of February if you're rest- restoring it. But normally, end of um, August, beginning of September, and then you've got a couple of months for those where the cuts have been to actually get over it and ready for the winter. And if it's a hedge and you're cutting it, obviously the leaves stay on and then they're pushed off by the new leaves coming on next spring. Yeah. So that's when I do it, end of this month, really, and beginning of September. Right. Now, let's get these. Should we do these questions? Uh, yes. We've got one yes. from Carol Thompson, uh, if, you're still, if you're still with us, Carol. Um, our fig tree is taking over the garden. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's very healthy. Lots of very small figs that appear to be getting larger. Lovely. What's the best feed to give it to help the fruit along, and how would I prune it in the autumn, please? Well, the helping fruit in is potash. But uh, normally when you plant a fig, we plant it to restrict its roots. And it's uh, years ago, they used to go to great lengths. They'd, they'd put slabs down, then bricks at the bottom, anything to stop the roots getting everywhere because figs will grow like nobody's business. They will grow really, really big. And I think if it's just got its roots out into the garden, you're going to be doing a lot of cutting back. So you might be doing a lot of cutting back in in the late winter. Um, but normally in June, all the side shoots, I don't know whether you've got it growing just as a tree. It sounds as though you have, because a lot of people grow them as fan trained. And basically, when you get the side shoots, if uh, whether you've got it fan trained or anything, those five uh, side shoots in spring or June are cut back to five buds. So five leaves, and that encourages little side shoots at the end that will have the fruits on. And then at the end of winter, with fan trained, you cut everything off that's sort of growing to the wall or growing out. So you've everything's sort of growing near the wall. You've only got side shoots, well, parallel to the wall, and that keeps it lovely and clean. Otherwise, in late winter, you take any dead off, could trim it back a little bit, bring it back. But don't forget, you've got all those roots if it's in the garden and it is going to put on loads of growth. Right, Ruth Tetherley's got a question for us. My James Greaves apple is laden with fruit, but like every year, they're all marked with grub holes. Anything I could do to stop this for next year, please? Well, it's either it's either codling moth or sawfly. Um, they're the two biggest problems. And, you know, putting the old grease around in winter um, doesn't do a thing because all that does is stop the winter moth and umber moth and their females are wingless. And so they just climb the tree and it stops them. But your sawfly and codling moth, which do all the damage, fly in. Now, you can get a pheromone trap so that the males 
um, are attracted to the pheromone trap and stick in there. What you can do is put one of these pheromone traps because if you've only got one or two trees, that is going to attract a lot of the males and you will cut down the amount of damage that you do get. Otherwise, um, I can see it on my tree. It is, I don't know what variety it is. It's it packed with apples this year. There's so many apples and I can see a lot of them have got holes in, but lots of them are okay. So um, we'll be sharing them with the birds this year, definitely. Uh, this is Lynn Grundy's oh, yeah. Alpine patch. Uh, and you can probably see there in the, in the right in the middle, uh, next to the stone, uh, there's a, yes. a part that appears to have died right back. And she was asking, you know, can that be can that be saved? Will it come back next year? Do I need to cut anything of away? What's the best? Well, there's a lot of that looks totally gone, mm. doesn't it? And then you've got some stems, so it might be worth either cutting, taking some cuttings of the green little bits, keep them nice and cool, or you can put some nice compost on the top of there and see if they'll root into the compost. And sort of it's like layering them, but, you know, you're not going to dig them, put them into the ground. You're going to put compost on top. But this depends whether the the, um, the centre's dead. I don't think it is because you've got the green bits growing at the end. So yeah. something's sustaining those. So I would put some – you could put a little bit of compost underneath and put some compost on top, and I think it would it'd root. And then also cut all the dead stuff off and see if it does come back might even come back before the winter okay let me just check make sure there's no other questions uh oh liz fisher put up a question on hydrangea how far back do i prune hydrangea it's quite big right well it depends how old it is yeah you can cut hydrangeas back very hard and sometimes they'll put fantastic new growth on but they've got to have the time to grow for that wood to mature to produce flowers so what i suggest you do is cut some of the oldest wood at the base cut a quarter of it back so that you get lovely new shoots growing through next year cut the uh, another half or a third and then over four years if you cut in a quarter back you'll get you'll never have any wood over four years old if you cut in a third of it back you'll never have any wood over three years old and you'll have a brilliant plant great suggestion right well thank you very much indeed and uh, thanks as ever to our sponsors fitzgerald lane decorators uh, for uh, a free quote and advice on any project you've got going we are going to get uh, jason on if he's agreeable uh, to uh, to talk about some painting uh, because we'll have some painting jobs to do for the next bank holiday i'm guessing in late later in august if the weather's good uh, so we'll perhaps get Jason on just to, for a bit of uh, timely advice. Uh, but go to their Facebook group, Fitzgerald Lang Decorators. That's L-A-I-N-G, uh, not, as it says in the captions, L-A-N-E. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, if you're listening on our podcast, please subscribe. Tell your gardening friends about us. Check out our Loving Your Garden Facebook group and be inspired by our friendly and knowledgeable members. Until next time, bye. Bye. Bye, folks.